0: and hear from best-selling authors insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur.
1: This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with us here today. I really appreciate you. So glad to have you here with us. Glad that you value you enough to be able to take the time to up-level yourself just a little bit. If we can just always make that needlepoint shift Today we want to talk about the brand that is you. Yes, the brand for your company, your company's online presence. But that starts from the brand that is you. The, you know, how do you put yourself out into the world? What is your online presence? We're gonna talk a little bit more about that. First, I do want to tell you about a couple of amazing opportunities. I've talked about this the last few weeks and I gotta share it with you again. My good friend Errol Abramson, multi-billionaire Errol Abramson, um, he has a coaching program available for you that is mind-blowing. The amount that he is willing to charge you for monthly coaching is less than what most coaches I know would charge you for an hour to two hours at most. Errol is gonna spend two hours a week plus be available via email anytime throughout the week, two hours a week, every single week minimum with you, helping you up level your business. I can't begin to tell you the number of stories that I've read, heard, seen, of people that have worked with Errol that have gone from next to nothing to nothing and built million dollar businesses. Um, again you know Errol is 47 and0 as far as businesses that he started or created or took over um, that have now gone to profitability and he sold them off, made money off of them. no failures, 47 wins. Uh, so that's a guy you want to do some you want to do some coaching with. If you're interested, reach out to me on Facebook, Steve Kidd. Um, you know I would love to connect you with Errol and see so you get that level of coaching. I also want to mention really briefly, um, I'm gonna be in the upcoming Men's Summit uh, coming up in April and I'm really looking forward to it. I, of course, am going to be doing our signature Rate Your Best one hour workshop, but there are so many great things in this event that'll help men in all the quadrants of their life, health, fitness, relationships, finances, All of those kind of things. So I encourage you to look out for more information on that summit as more details come around. So today we want to talk about your personal brand. We want to talk about the brand for yourself and for your business. What is your business's online presence? Have you ever Googled your business? You know, go in and Google. What do they say about your business? Now, here's here's something I want to warn you. Okay, There is the high likelihood that the better you're doing in the world, the more likely it is that there is a complaint. There are some organizations like the Better Business Bureau that really, they exist to try to give good feedback about companies. But the truth of the matter is, is that when somebody makes a complaint, they will place it out there. And the only way to really combat that to have a response to it or to get it deleted would be to join Better Business Bureau. And in some businesses that's uh, you know that's a good thing for you. For others it doesn't really work for your business model. I'm not here to promote or not promote them. But I do want to warn you that when you're looking up your company's online presence, don't be surprised if somebody said something negative about you. You know, remember statistically that for every one positive reply you get, every one testimonial you get, there's probably ten people that um, you know that really legitimately have great things to say about you. They just don't take the time. You know, Kathy's always sharing the statistic that 90% of the people on social media do nothing but lurk. Nine percent of that remaining ten will only do things like comment or like. They don't create any new content. So it's only 1% of the people in all of social media that are creating new content. Um, The same thing is true when it comes to positive reviews about you. Only about 1% of the people you work with are going to give you... They're going to take the time to actually create a positive review. Um, in In a later show, some other time, we'll talk about some ways that you can get reviews from people and you can encourage that. But, um, you know, see, so you just need to know that there are still more people out there saying good things about you. Um, unfortunately, the nature of the internet is it's a great place to hide. It's a great place to be able to, uh, you know, dump your trash on the person next to you um, and spew something you think or feel about somebody. Um, and sometimes they're valid. Sometimes you are really glad that you read the the review about, you know, that particular company before you did business with them. uh, Found out that, you know, they don't really actually provide the service that they said they were going to offer or any of those kind of things. A lot of the times, um, you know, the person had a bad experience and their feelings are probably totally legitimate, but they don't really reflect the day-to-day how you show up. But it's still important to know, what is your presence out there online? And there are some specific things you can do to build a positive, on-purpose online presence. One of those starts with your personal online presence, your personal brand. Who are you and how you're showing up in the world is so important. Some of you that listen regularly to When Kathy Does Facebook Lives have heard her talk about the fact that you know, you need to have your profile on Facebook be public. Um, And for some people, that's very scary. Um, Many, many people use Facebook as just simply a way of sharing fun things from their, you know, in their home family to their extended family. Um, And that's okay. I'm not saying that that isn't a valid use for Facebook. But if you're going to use Facebook for your business then your approach even to your personal page has to be totally different it needs to be about the brand that is you that you want the public to want to know like and trust you you see we buy from people that we know like and trust and if we're putting out all kinds of crazy stuff you know it's 2020 Uh, if you're listening live. Um, And uh, in 2020, this is an election year. And in every election year, there are people on both sides of the fence because we're at the end of February. um, You know, this is the time where, um, you know, there are a lot of people in all the different races, all the way from, you know, city... Uh, you know city council kind of stuff all the way up to the presidency there are a lot of faces in the race um and, and you know as you get closer to election day it becomes less and less but for each one of those people there is a person that both loves them as well as a person that hates them um in fact it it can be an interesting incentive i had a friend of mine suggest that um You know, what you should do for something that you really want to change, like if you really need to lose weight um, or something like that, you know, that you make a post, uh, you make a bet with, you know, somebody that will hold you to it, that if you don't do this certain thing, that you will donate, uh, you know, a large enough amount that it's an ouch, not something that's going to bankrupt you or anything, but a large enough of an amount that it, you know, makes you sting you will donate that to the campaign of the person you hate the most. <laughs> um, I'm not necessarily saying you should do that, but my point is, is that um, you know there are people that love each one of those people deeply. They would give their lives for them, and there are people who hate them, and they would give their lives to remove them. It's just it's the nature of politics, right? Um, we've all been there, seen that. Um, each time we all have our own opinions. Um, you know, and that's okay, but the question becomes is, how does that spewing, <laughs> I was trying to think of a better word for it, but it really kind of is, of our personal opinions for or against somebody, how is that impacting the personal brand that we want to put out into the world That we're wanting to build know, like, and trust with people. They might know us. We can get a lot of knowledge about a person seeing what they rant about online, right? And come on, all of us are, are guilty of... You know, something strikes us and we just feel like we have to comment about it. I've done it. I know you've done it. It's okay. I'm not saying you have to be perfect or a robot or anything like that. But do understand that when we engage in a conversation about something we're passionate about, um, it's going to inform people about us. Um, So they'll know us. To like us. We need to understand who we're speaking to, what our demographic is. And then we need to help them understand, I've been where you're at. I know what you're going through. And I can help. A person wants to know, you know, what's in it for me. But they also want to combat that most natural of human tendencies, And that's that feeling that you're completely alone. There's something about us as people that whenever we're going through something, um, you know, it's a crisis, it's a trauma for us. Um, It doesn't matter what level it is for us, it's a big deal, right? You know, remember the first time your parents told you you couldn't do something you really wanted to do when you were a young adult, you know, a teenager or a you know, even preteen, it was, you know, it was catastrophic, right? It's just the worst thing in the world that you would ever be told no about something that was so important to you. Um, You know, you look back on it now and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I was willing to die on that hill. But at that point, that thing is big to us. So it's not a matter of quantifying it. Um, But what we tend to do is pull away. We tend to feel like nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. The world is out to get me. Um, No one has gone through what I'm currently going through. It's really sad to see, um, you know, with Kathy's mom, when she went through the couple years that we were helping her through her cancer journey before she uh, transitioned on to the next realm, um, you know... Every single one of those people sitting in that chemo room was struggling with the universal concept of feeling like they were the only one to have ever gone through what they were currently going through. Even sitting in a room where there was, you know, 20 other people going through chemo, they felt alone. I would talk to some of them and hear that aloneness and that's what happens to us in times when we have an event in our life is we tend to isolate and we tend to define ourselves as being completely alone and so we need to reach out to the people who are now going through something that we've come through to let them know hey you're not alone that's how we take the knowledge of who we are and build a like and a trust to say to them, I've been where you're at, I've got you, we're gonna get you through this. So when we're looking at our personal brand, we're really looking at how do we connect with the person that we're meant to serve? It's not about sharing with the world what you had for breakfast necessarily. Now, it could be because maybe you're a nutritionist and maybe, like guests I've had on the show before, maybe you found a way to healthy, nutritiously make meals for your you know, five-year-old children that don't make them turn up their nose and spit out their food then yeah, you would want to post that. All of us that were parents or now currently are parents of five-year-olds want to know how to help our children learn health and nutrition in a way that doesn't make them just hate their vegetables, right? <laughs> so what is your personal brand? What are you putting out there in the world? What is the brand of your company? What does the world think and feel about your company? What does that name invoke in them when your company is said what does your name mean what does you as a person bring to the world because i believe you have a very special gifting i believe that you have something that can make the world a better place but that's what you need to share with the world that I've been where you're at and I've got you. We're gonna make it through. You need to embrace that as yourself because if you are living that lifestyle, then your company will exude that as a company. And both your personal and your company's brand will be amazing as you're on this path to living as a thriving entrepreneur don't go away we'll be right back with some amazing guests to talk to you about your brand here on thriving entrepreneur you've heard kathy and i talk about it you've seen the workshops you have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author and now it's your turn let me ask you this what would being a best-selling author do for your business Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best selling author today.
0: Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur.
1: This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. I'm so excited to talk to you today about branding. I want to help you really dive into this and really understand it. And I'm really glad for these special guests that I have with me here today. Okay, so today we want to talk about your brand and not just how it's put out there in the world, but really, truly having a strategy for how you, your company, all of that really, truly shows up in the world. You know, you can either show up by accident or you can actually have a purposeful strategy that will allow you to impact the world in the way that you really want to. So to help us with that, I'm joined today by Susan Meyer, and she is going to talk to us about brand strategy. Hey, Susan, glad to have you here with us.
2: Hi there, thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you show up in the world.
2: Sure, and I loved what you said about making the choice to not show up by accident. Um, That's a great way of explaining what it means to have a strategy. I am a brand strategist. I'm also a visual artist um, and I, Uh, bring those two things together when I serve my clients. So I started my career as a management consultant, which is where I learned the sort of core principles of strategy. And then I moved into branding because I um, am a visual person by nature as an artist. Um, And I thought that the visual pieces of expression uh, were very fascinating Um, and also found speaking to consumers to be very engaging, to understand how brands really live in the world almost as friends, right? So if you're thinking about consumer brands, we have relationships with them that are deep and meaningful, and they express things about themselves um, that we connect to. So that's how I got interested in branding, and what I do now, I work for uh, corporations, um, largely in healthcare these days, although I still do some consumer products, um, helping them think about their brand strategy, meaning, What's their positioning, how do they show up in the world, what are their values, how do they express those values, Uh, what's their kind of one-liner that explains who they are. Um, And then I also have begun doing that um, in recent years for uh, smaller, you know, individual uh, solopreneurs, startup entrepreneurs, um, independent professionals of all kinds, doctors, lawyers, consultants, because really the principles are the same. You know, um, know yourself, know your audience, and think mindfully about how those two things connect.
1: Perfect. I was reading your bio on you, and I found it interesting that you got your BA in art history. Um, you know, it, it destroys the myth that when your child goes to college and is an art history major, that you know, he or she can't end up doing something pretty powerful in the world.
2: Yes, I think my parents were very happy to uh, discover that I was not going to live at home forever. (laughs) And um, I have to say, I'm very grateful to my first employer, Boston Consulting Group, who, uh, you know, I think took a chance on hiring someone who had never opened a spreadsheet, was not grounded in economics. um, And they really, I think, as a company, have a vision for the importance of creativity in the work that they do.
1: So for somebody that doesn't understand the concept of branding, can you give us just a basic definition of what having a brand
2: is? Sure. So I think um, branding and having a brand is universally applicable because it really is who you are and want to be in the world. So that can be for you and me as individuals, we can think about our brand. And I think with the rise of social media, people are increasingly, you know, even kids are thinking about their brand nowadays. Um, But certainly for an organization that has a sort of so-called brand, how that brand lives in the world is really no different from how an individual shows up. You know, what does that brand stand for? What uh, credibility does it have based on its history? So if you're a food product, right, that would be things like its nutritional value or its convenience benefit. Um, And then uh, all the way through to the visual identity. So what does the packaging look like or what does your logo look like or what's the experience on your website? Those are all the elements. I call them touch points. So the places where the brand interacts with its constituents, but the brand itself is really that identity, sort of who are you, who do you aspire to be, and what do you stand for, and everything else is an expression of that. I think sometimes we get confused, or people who don't work in branding get confused, well even some of us who do, uh, get confused between those expression elements like the logo or the name, um, thinking about those as the brand, and I think while they're clearly important elements of the brand, they aren't the brand itself. And the brand itself is something much more uh, deep and authentic to uh, to the product or to the service.
1: Hmm. Okay, good. So um, tell us a little bit about what is the difference between creativity and branding, and then go into some of the myths about branding that maybe be, or about creativity rather, that may be holding people back from having a strong brand.
2: Sure, the difference between creativity and branding?
1: Was yes. The
2: question? Yes. Well, I think creativity is a really big concept, and I think creativity is in all of us. You know, I think there are certain types of jobs where we think of those are creative people, maybe we even call them creatives with a capital C, Um, but that's one definition of creativity potentially. Um, But I think creativity, I believe strongly that creativity is not limited to the sphere of artists and poets and designers really creativity is that human spark, right? It's that unique thing that lights us up and it's different for everyone. But when we light that spark, we bring our creativity to bear on what we're doing. You know that feeling where you're, you know, maybe you're bored by something and then something else comes up and you go, oh, I'm really passionate about that. It's not necessarily making a painting, it can be basically anything. But when you have that feeling that lights you up, that's your creativity. And that's what's important to bring to work of any kind that you do, because that's what's going to make you innovative and ultimately successful. With regard to how that um, is different from branding, you know, I think branding is a discipline. It's a, a format, right? So it's creativity, I think, is more of a concept and branding is more of a set of activities. Um, brands, you can take to a more meta level in terms of how they connect with people. But um, the discipline of branding is really how do we activate those brands, uh, personalities and values in the world. Ideally, we do that with creativity.
1: Okay. So I know a lot of people, you know, they get an idea, they go to a conference, whatever, get inspired, and they just jump out there in the world. (laughs) um how does a person really begin to even you know know what their brand is and then start sharing it really with the world what's the way to come up with a strategy for that
2: and i'll say i don't think that what you described is wrong i think it's quite genuine and it's how any of us who starts our own business almost by necessity or definition has to do it. We sort of have an idea and we take ourselves, our personal selves out there into the world with all of the things that we stand for and believe in and are good at or bad at. And that sort of becomes the beginning of the brand. And generally when companies bring me in is when that process has happened. The brand begins to develop around that founder or set of founders or the early team and the early set of products or services that that team offers. And then they get to this point where there's 20 or 25 people and they're starting to grow and um, their revenues are starting to grow and those touch points are starting to increase. And it's not as kind of easy or organic to be able to consistently express that, that tight brand across all of those things, or across the new people who are coming on board. That's a really important time to think about, let's be more strategic about our brand. And it can be as simple as let's write it down. You know, I often do sessions with companies that are at that stage of the game, where we just do a workshop, and we get all the key team members in the room, and we talk about what are those essential elements of your brand, and which of these do you really, really want to keep because they're right in the center of the bullseye. And maybe there are some that you actually want to let go of because they have some you know, legacy that's no longer useful. Um, But thinking about those things mindfully when you're at that stage of the game um, is what I would call the beginnings of the strategy. Now, if you're talking about a much more large and sophisticated company, a PepsiCo or a Unilever, the principles are the same, but they're already at the point where they've been thinking for a very long time about how to create guardrails around the brand and um, maintain that consistency because that becomes very complex in in a larger organization. But strategy strategy is really uh, just the discipline of writing it down, aligning on it as a team, And then uh, guarding it, you know, stewardship of those things that we care about and making sure that everything we do and Touch and Express is aligned with that vision.
1: Oh, and guarding it, that is so important because, you know, some of us have been through times when big brands um, have not held on to their brand. Um, The one I always think of, of course, is, you know, when Coca-Cola brought out New Coke you know, totally changed their formula, um, and uh, really impacted their impact in the world.
2: You yeah, know what I'm talking about. I do, and that is something that's. Those are cautionary tales. I think we in in the world of branding, we often talk about building bridges, and sometimes <laughs> you go a bridge too far, and sometimes it's really hard to know that when you're inside the brand because things seem i don't know more familiar to you when you're inside the brand itself and what's important to remember is that you really need to build those bridges incrementally for your constituents so that they can see the path from you know it's a, it's okay and even terrific to innovate but you need to take them along on the journey you need to take your audience along on the journey with you
1: so what are the uh, what are the resistance why do people sometimes just fight establishing a clear-cut brand for who they are and want to be in the world?
2: I'm Well, two answers to that. I think most of the time, 80% of the time, the resistance I see is not so much fighting it, but more struggling with how difficult it can sometimes be to get all of those people in the room together, to align on what the right brand vision is, those are things that can be difficult. And frankly, it can also just be lack of resources, right? You're busy running your business and it's hard to carve out the time or potentially the budget to do that work when really your work every day is to sell that product that you're working on or to come up with a new or build that new thing. And it seems like, oh yeah, we'll get to that another day. Um, So I think that's one, one big source of resistance. Uh, Not so much that we say we don't want to do branding, but more that it sort of falls through the cracks.
1: Sure, that makes a lot of sense. Um, So a person who's new in company, you know, they just started their company, it's just them in the company. uh, What are some of the first steps they should take to establish their brand where it's just them so that it then can, you know, grow to be Pepsi or Coca-Cola size brand.
2: Sure. So when I work with folks who are at that stage of the game, I'll have them do the same steps that you would do with a larger brand, Um, but it's a little bit more of an intense introspective activity, right? So there's this period of reflection saying, you know, who really am I and what do I bring to this table, to this party? And who do I want to be? What are my aspirations? What do I want to stand for? What are my values? and then those turn into the pillars of the brand. Um, then thinking really empathetically about who your i say constituents because of course, not every organization is a business, you might be a nonprofit, but your customers your your audiences that you're speaking to putting yourself in their shoes, ideally talking to them, if you have the kind of bandwidth to do that, asking them what they really care about, not just what they need in a sweater or a cell phone or whatever it is that you're selling, but, uh, but you know, kind of getting to know who they are, what makes them tick, what they aspire to, so you can find those sources of connection between you. I always think of it as this, you know, sort of, overlapping circles right there's what you bring and who they are and you've got to find that common ground where you can really serve with what it is that you have because not everything you have is going to serve all of your audiences Um, and you don't need to serve all of their needs they can go elsewhere for other stuff but it's finding that intersection with whatever it is that you uniquely bring that they actually care about.
1: So for somebody who wants to dive deeper with you, how could a person get in contact with you?
2: Um, I think Twitter is a great place to start because you can find all of my contact information there, as well as um, all of the thinking and articles and other folks that I like to follow. And that is at Susan H. Meyer. And Meyer is M-E-I-E-R. And on there is my website. And on the website, you can find out information about the work that I do and the workshops that I run and all of that good stuff.
1: Perfect. Well, Susan, I really appreciate you taking some time being on the show here with us today.
2: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
1: That's good stuff. I'm so glad when we're able to really give you a clear message and help you move just that little needlepoint shift Towards a closer and better version of who you want to be and how you want your company to show up in the world. That's really more than anything else what it means to thrive, isn't it? When we're living as a thriving entrepreneur, we're just simply being the best us and having our company do its best in the world. I love that concept. We'll be right back YouThrive.com Check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author
0: today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur.
1: This is Steve. Welcome back. So in the last segment we were talking a little bit more about the brand identity of your company, your company's online presence. Now let's dive even deeper into the you that's out in the world. Let's give you some skills to be able to really, truly get it done in the world, make the impact that you want to make. We've talked about this a couple of times before, but I really want to hone in on it today. What is your personal brand? How do you really, truly engage with people? And I'm not just talking necessarily online. I mean, possibly that, but also just in person. What is your brand? Who are you? Well, to help us with that today, I'm joined by the Dean of Platform University, John Meese. And he's going to talk to us today about your digital presence and your personal brand. Hey, John, how are you doing today?
3: I'm doing great, Steve. How are you?
1: I'm doing good. So tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got to be the Dean of Platform University.
3: Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, I uh, Well, as far as who I am, I'm John Niece. As you mentioned, I am the Dean of Platform University. I also have my own blog and own a co-working space, uh, despite, uh, in addition to three little kids. So quite a busy life, uh, a very full life, thankfully. Uh, and how I got to be the dean was I was actually a Platform University student myself years ago. And anybody who's not familiar with Platform University, of course, that's totally normal. <laughs> Most people in the world have probably never heard of it. But it's a membership site that Michael Hyatt started years and years ago to teach people how to build a platform when this was still very new. I mean, Facebook had just, become, just, just launched the ability to have a page, if that gives you some uh, context. And so I was a student and I used uh, what I learned in the membership site and in the community to grow my blog my, uh, at johnmeese.com and to launch products and services. And I was able to actually make that my full-time living. And I, not only that, but I was able to bring my wife home from work as a teacher uh, right before we had our first son, Damien. So uh, Michael Hyatt approached me a few years later and uh, invited me to lunch and said, hey, we love what you're doing. You're an example of what we want all of our students to do. Would you be willing to come on to help, just focus on helping our, our students do the same, to, to build an online platform as a, with a blog, a, a podcast, or a vlog to really build their audience uh, online and turn that into a business. And so that's what I've been doing now for about three years as the dean. Uh, and it's a, it's a fun gig. It's a, really, it's a great opportunity for me to help people just simplify online marketing because it can be so overwhelming.
1: So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, your personal brand and your online marketing. Uh, give us some basic definitions. What is a person's personal brand?
3: Well, um, you know, it's funny. We, you and I, Steve, we've had our whole life of interactions with people, you know, whether that's family members or friends, to just develop this natural ability to be able to personalize uh, how we relate to people based on the situation. You know, we know in what situations to speak up, which ones to hold back, when to drop the punchline, you know, what jokes are good in what context and what, um, we've had our whole life to develop our our in-person personality. And the internet is this new way to communicate online. But the problem is whenever you communicate with someone online, when you're creating content, uh, you know, it's... It's not copy and paste. It's not like you can just quote be yourself because you're not able to fully appear in front of someone. You're not actually sitting one-on-one with with someone. And that's one of the exciting things about, about how about the internet is that you're able to create content, like in this case, a podcast, but also a blog or whatever other medium. You're able to communicate with a huge audience, but how do you want people to perceive you? And what do you want to be known for and who you're trying to reach? Those are all the questions which make up your personal brand. It's essentially your personality online. Um, and so what we do with platform university is we simplify online marketing for professionals. So people who have an existing expertise. And so maybe you're used to working offline or working one-on-one with clients or teaching classes or speaking to teach something. And you're trying to figure out how do I translate that into the online world? And that's what we do. So, um, we use the term platform to describe whatever you call, whatever you're using for your online, um, medium, whether that's a blog, a vlog or a podcast, um, because it really comes back from this, this whole idea that to, there was a point in time where if you wanted to get heard above a noisy crowd, you literally stood on the platform, a soapbox even. You might even grab a box, literally a box of soap, and stand on your soapbox, and that's how you rose above the crowd. Well, today is no different in that there's still a crowd of people who are noisy, and you need to be able to be heard. You need to stand out, but the difference is you're no longer standing on a Uh, you know, a a box made of plywood, you're actually standing on this on the internet, you know, and and standing out from the crowd. And so that's why we use the term platform to describe uh, what your personal brand really turns into online. Does that answer your question, Steve?
1: It does. Absolutely. And I got to tell you, most of the time, you know, the questions that they give me for interview topics, I kind of just don't even read. But one of yours caught my attention. I have to ask you, Okay. how is it that you don't have any social media profiles.
3: <laughs> it's ironic, isn't it? Because uh, I teach online marketing, and I don't—you can't find me on social media. Um, so this is a relatively recent change, but it's something that I've probably been mulling over for a long time. Um, and it comes back to a couple different things. There's there's sort of like the personal argument, and then there's the business argument for not having social media. See, which would you prefer that I tackle first?
1: Um, let's go with the personal first.
3: Okay, sure. Well, the personal one is the easy one because if you install a little app called Rescue Time on your phone, or actually many new phones have this feature built in where it'll tell you how much time you're spending on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube or Instagram. Uh, And when I looked at myself, and I'm, I'm a fairly intentional person. I don't just kind of randomly browse the internet, but I was still shocked at how much time I was losing um, because that's how I felt like what I was doing is I was losing time out of my day on social media. I have three little kids. I have a beautiful wife. Um, by the way, side note, that's how you know when you're winning, when you are the least attractive person in your household. My beautiful wife and my adorable children are all more attractive than I am. So I'm, I'm winning. But that also means that I want to give them my time and attention when I'm with them. And then I also have several different business things that I'm involved with that I feel like are high leverage and really important. So from a personal Angle, I felt like it was difficult to justify the time spent on social media. But then also there's all kinds of research that's come out to show that social media can actually be psychologically damaging in terms of your um, comparing yourself to other people or getting into a cycle of depression uh, or having the illusion of relationships. So maybe you have a thousand quote friends on Facebook, but you're not actually hanging out with any of them in real life and humans are wired for that personal connection. As a busy person, I was just struggling with all of that myself. And so, personally, I felt like it was, uh, I needed to reconsider my use of social media. But that is when I ran into the wall that I overcame when it comes to the business or professional argument that you have to, quote, have to be on social media. Steve, do you want me to mention, do you want me to tackle that one too? The professional business argument? Yes, please. Okay. So, a lot of people think social media is this magic tool that means that all of a sudden anybody can get free marketing and build their business. And then if you're not on social media, you're not real. Well, here's what's really true. What's really true is social media is the most visible marketing platform, marketing tool available today. In other words, if you look around at people in your industry or elsewhere who are successful online and you know their business is successful, then you start mentally going, okay, what, how are they successful? What do I know about what they do now? There's a long list of things that you can't see, right? You cannot see how many people landed on their website because they were ranked high in Google in in response to a search. What you can't see is how many people got on a sales call with someone on their team to buy a product. What you can't see is how many people are getting emails in their inbox every day from this other competitor um, that's causing them to make a purchase. The only thing you can see is what happens on social media. And so it's sort of like what's called survivor bias in, uh, in research studies, but the idea that essentially the most visible thing that you can see, you assume that's the, the, okay, maybe this doesn't actually line up directly with survivor bias, I'm backtracking that. But what happens is the most visible thing that you have in front of you, the only thing that you can really see is their use of social media. So in your brain you go, okay, they're successful and they're really active on social media. So if I wanna be successful, I should be really active on social media. But the research shows that one email subscriber is 18 times more likely to make a purchase than one social media follower. Even people that use social media regularly as part of their marketing strategy, they know and they see if they're looking at their data, that social media is a great way to engage people in conversation, to get them to join your email list or to get them to open your emails. But that email is actually where the sale is happening. Uh, And so... So all of a sudden I realized I already knew there was a personal cost to using social media and I had a very limited amount of time and attention to spend on the things that I'm passionate about. So the professional reasons for using social media didn't add up, it just wasn't worth it to me. Now I still think social media is appropriate in the proper context with the proper strategy. So um, that's something that I actually, for Platform University, we have our own social media accounts. For Cowork Columbia, one of my businesses, we have our own social media accounts. But I have a strategy that I've delegated to a team member to execute that strategy, to use the social media, to grow the email list. Social media by itself is like building a house on a rented lot. And the social media platforms can change the rules at any time, and you're kind of just out of luck. And so it's not typically where where we recommend any of our platform university students dedicate the majority of their time and attention.
1: So what do you recommend? What, um, you know, where do you... Encourage people to engage with their online audience.
0: It's
3: a great question. Uh, The first thing we do is we recommend that you have a very clear brand identity. Now, that doesn't really mean what colors you have on your website or whether or not you have a cool logo. What it really means is you have to be clear on who you help and how you help them because you cannot help everyone. You need to have a target audience. You need to have a clear vision in mind of who it is that you're creating content for. Um, And then that you focus on creating content, free content, that helps solve their problems. So, Steve, that could be in the form of a podcast, uh, like we're talking about right now. Um, But that could also be in the form of a blog or a vlog. It could just be an email newsletter. All of those are are really different platforms that work uh, and different mediums that work in different ways. But the point is that you're creating it for a specific audience. Um, Now, if you do that, then your goal is to figure out, okay, how do I get them on my email list? Now, social media is a potential strategy, but you need to also evaluate your own toolbox. Are you naturally someone who's really good at photography or has a really good eye for design? Great. Go with Instagram. Instagram, do you really enjoy being on video and you find that natural? Awesome. Go with YouTube. Um, Do you, you know, there's all these different things that you can do. Is your target audience heavily professional focused or have, or executives, then you should probably spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. But what you shouldn't do is try to be everywhere all the time because then you end up being spread thin and you end up not having the results that you're after. So what we typically recommend is that you pick one primary social media, focus your attention there, and use that to actually grow your email list. And your email list is where you need to spend most of your time and attention. And let me tell you something. An email list, it's not exciting. It's not sexy. People have been using email lists to, to build online businesses for now more than 20 years successfully but it works. It's the only thing that is still relevant 20 years later.
1: Wow. Um, Thanks for making me feel old too. (laughs) Sorry Steve. No problem. Some of us that have been on the internet since before it was even called the internet. You know? Um, So let's help people out. I love to be good teachers. What is something that a person listening to the show right now could do? to really begin establishing their personal brand?
3: That's a great question. And I should mention, by the way, that we have, um, I mean, I, I'm happy to give tips in here and talk in specifics, but we also have a free uh, newsletter called Teach It Forward. And every week we give a specific tip or tactic for free in that newsletter um, that it dives into the same idea of saying, like, how do you uh, build your personal brand? How do you build your platform? And um, so that's free to anyone. But of course, I want to you know, highlight and mention that here that Those tips are super valuable and if you go to platformuniversity.com slash thriving, um, then you can sign up for that. But one of the first tips we talk about in Teach It Forward that I think is really helpful is to get clear on your platform personality. And so this comes back to what I was talking about earlier about how your online brand is really just an extension of who you are as a human being. But when you're talking about a specific topic it can be really difficult. Some people really struggle with how do I actually communicate online? How do I refer to myself without sounding like a guru or like I don't know what I'm talking about? How do you find that balance? And so what we found is that the most successful platforms, the most successful personal brands are built by people that adhere to one of three personality archetypes, the sage, the Sherpa or the struggler. So this is, like, this is super practical and tactical that you need to pick one of these three, and that's how you need to think of yourself when you're creating content online. The sage is someone who has some sort of third-party authority that's endorsing uh, them and their success. And so think about this as like a New York Times bestselling author or a, or a Nobel Prize winning uh, economist, or maybe someone who has a, you know, like a, a law degree from Harvard. You know, something that's very prestigious that has a third-party authority attached to it. They're the sage. Now, the sage, when they teach, they don't have to back up a lot of what they say. They're automatically assumed to be the expert. So it's sort of like the holy grail if you can be the sage. But then you need to make sure that when you say something, you just say it. You just say it directly as fact and as truth. And don't try to spend too much time backing it up with details and research. Because if you do, people get confused because they they believe you the first time. And when you start backing it up with more and more detail, they start to go, wait a second, does he believe himself? And so the sage is something you really, you, is very, it's sort of like the holy grail. Very few people can actually pull off being a sage online. But the other two are a lot easier. The Sherpa is someone who says, I've climbed the mountain and I can help you climb it too. So you may have, you may or may not have noticed, but this is how I think of and refer to myself online. So I talk about the fact that I was just in platform university and figured out how to start a blog and built this whole thing. And then I came back to say, hey, I want to help teach you how to do the same thing. So whatever your topic is, If you're the Sherpa, if you're more self-taught or you've, you know, you quote, climbed the mountain and you've achieved some sort of success, and then you can share that success with other people as an example of what's possible for them. The struggler is really fascinating because a lot of people don't realize this is a totally legitimate way to build your expertise online. The struggler is someone who uses the tone or in this together and all of their content. And so what that looks like is this might be someone who is either new to an industry or field, or they're just, they're pushing the envelope on the very edge of that field. And so this is someone who's saying, look, I don't have all the answers yet, but would you come with me? Because I want to solve this and I want your help to make it it possible. We are in this together. And so that can be a really empowering voice to really build a community around and to rally a tribe. But the key point here is whenever you're creating content, you have to be consistent as one of those three archetypes either the sage, the Sherpa, or the struggler. If you start to switch it back and forth between them, people don't know how to psychologically where you fit in their brain, in their digital Rolodex, if you will. And so you'll lose people's attention. And so you have to commit to one of those three.
1: That's awesome. I appreciate that tip. That's good for people. Um, I hope hope that people do identify who they are so um, give us again the URL for where people can get on your free newsletter
3: yes that's platformuniversity.com slash thriving as in thriving entrepreneur
1: perfect well John I really appreciate you spending some time with us here on the show today
3: oh it's my pleasure Steve thank you for having me
1: great stuff what have you learned from this What are you now going to do to have a clearly defined, effective personal brand and then to put it out into the world? I mean, it takes work. Who are you? A lot of times we don't really spend the time doing that deep work, diving into who am I? Um, You know, we have superficial answers for that things like well, you know I went to such-and-such school my parents are so and so I grew up in blah 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 Right, we don't really dive deeply into that. Who is the you that shows up? Every single time you show up in the room. It's really interesting as you begin to look back across your life because the older you get the more transitions you will have had in your life. The more, I did a little bit of this, I did a little bit of that kind of stuff. It's just the nature of it. You know, who you were when you were 10, let's hope that's not who you are in your 50s or your 30s or even your, you know, teens, right? We just continue growing. You know, the the things that we go through as young adults when we're just coming out into the world and moving out of our parents' household are different than the things that we're doing when we're, you know, raising children, or when we become an empty nester, or any of those kind of things. Life has multiple transitions, and throughout each of those transitions, we move from where we are to that next thing. But the thing that goes through that with us, that's the who are you. What is that thing that kind of shows up? Not the action, but the spirit, the heart beneath it. What is showing up in there? Have you always been that person that is a giver? Now there's two levels that you could critique yourself as as a giver. You could be the kind of person who, uh, you know, gives of your time and your treasure. um, And it's more of a giving kind of a situation, more that we would think of when we think of givers, of philanthropists, of that kind of a thing. The other option is um, the people who are more servants. They more are doers, I would say, than givers. They like being behind the scenes. My mom is a perfect example of this. I really, truly believe my mom is the happiest when she is doing some type of manual labor for somebody. Um, and I've found times when she's been here visiting me, you know, my mom's 81 now if you're listening to this live. Um, and really, from my standpoint of things, I'd encourage her to just spend the whole time just relaxing. You know, it's like when she wants to have ice cream every night, I tell her, it's like, Mom, first of all, you weigh 125. So, you know, the ice cream is not negatively impacting you. And second of all, you're 81 years old. If you want to eat ice cream three times a day, you should do that. But my mom is the happiest when she, when she asks, what can I do to help? And there's something legitimate that she knows is going to make that moment, or longer term, even better, of my life, better that she can do. Um, I know honestly that if physically she could have done it, I think she would have worked until she was one hundred and fifty years old and given every dime she made to us boys, uh, because that's just where her heart is. So there are those people that are servants, um, you know, and so throughout the course of your life, that thing shows up. What is showing up in your life? Who are you? And then are you sharing that with the world? Or are you hiding the real you under a bushel so that people can't see your light? They can't see that consistent thread that no matter where you are, who you are, is always constantly there. Being that person who always has a smile for people in diversity or adversity It's a big thing. To be a happy person in trauma is huge for all of us. My point is is that you having clarity on your personal brand is so huge. And I hope you really will. Because you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose. And the world needs you. They need who you are. Each of us does. Imagine what a place this world would be if each of us every day did our best to show up as the best version of ourselves. Nothing more, not our impression of whomever, but just simply today, I'm going to be the best version of me, where I am and who I am right now today. I would love to see you do that and then share that message of course, in written form, with the world. Know that I'm here for you, to help you, because I want to see you live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. Till next time, have a great week.
0: Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time.
1: youthrive.com. Check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.